song gets me every time. I don't know about you. But our God is awesome, isn't he? Let's go to our awesome God in prayer. Abba Father, we come before you offering sacrifices of praise. God, we ask that you will search our minds, search our hearts, search the innermost parts of our souls. Give us a peace that transcends understanding. God, open our minds. Give us the capacity to understand who you are and what you mean to us. Give us the courage to change what you expose in us that does not please you. Help us to not fight for our will, but to surrender to yours. Father, open our hearts, humble our hearts, calm the storms within our hearts. Help us to worship you in spirit and in truth. Pray that you'll prepare our hearts and our minds for what we're about to hear from your word. I pray that you'll give us a sense of peace, a sense of serenity, a sense of connection, because you are an awesome God. You are to be revered. You are to be honored. You're to be feared. You're to be loved. And we pray that we can do that and that you'll help us to achieve that in our lives. God, I love you. I thank you. I pray all this in your precious son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Last week, I asked King Solomon to help us understand the proper attitude to have when we worship. And today, I asked another person to help me bring this series to a close. Now, this person's walk with God inspires people to this day. Some may even say he was consumed with God. He sang to God. He wrote songs about God. He danced before God. He fought for God's honor. He respected God. He feared God. And when he blew it, he humbled himself before God and owned his mistakes. He was led by God, and he led others to God. This man is none other than King David. You know, most of the Psalms are attributed to David's worship of God. If you're visiting with us today, we've started this series, the month of June, on worship. And we, we're talking about worshipers of spirit and truth. We don't want to just limit our worship of God to just singing, clapping, and saying amen. We want our worship of God to go with us when we leave this place to our jobs. Matter of fact, before we even get to the jobs, to the bus, to the train, in Uber or Lyft or whoever you take, in your car at home or if you walk here, we want you to keep worshiping God no matter how you go or how you come. Because worship is a lifestyle. It's not just something we do on Sundays, it's who we are. Amen? And so we're going to wrap up this series today, and I have to tell you, I was sharing with some brothers and sisters this morning, this, this study on worship has really transformed the way I see God. I've learned to really quiet myself, to allow God to speak to me, and when I'm with others, I want God to speak through me because, you know, we're, we're called to be... God's instruments of, of 
righteousness. We're called to be God's priests in a holy nation. We're called to take God's grace, apply it to our lives, but then show other people how, how that looks. And so I want God to use me, but I have to be in a place of constant connection, a place of worship. You know, when David wrote his songs, you know, most of the songs that we read about are credited to David. And, you know, we never knew anything about David slaying Goliath. If we never heard about the incident with him and Bathsheba, for those of you who don't know, well, that'll be a good study. Or any of his other exploits, we could surmise through the Psalms that David had a deep relationship with God. David, you know, God meant everything to David. David talks about thinking about God in the morning, in the afternoon, and while he was on his bed at night. Who do you think about that often? I know somebody, I'm not talking about worry. That's a totally different thing. Because we can worry about our kids in the morning, in the afternoon, and in the evening. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about thinking about, desiring to be with. That's how David saw God. And so we can see through the Psalms that David had a deep relationship with the Father. Now throughout the Psalms, David often praised God for his many attributes. And I want to look at one Psalm in particular. It's one of the most famous Psalms, Psalm 23. Hidden in Psalm 23 are the names of God and their attributing qualities. When you read through the psalm, I guarantee you're going to, after today, you're going to see Psalm 23 in a totally different way. Because you're going to see that there's a lot more to that psalm than meets the eye. Amen? So let's get into I'm excited about this study. So in order for us to worship God, we need to know the God we worship. You know, it, it feels good when you know somebody who's famous on a first-name basis, doesn't it? How many of us know anyone that's famous on a first-name basis? See, now every hand should go up here because y'all know me on a first-name basis. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But what's interesting, though, is that people have come to church, and they've said, you know, they call me pastor, they call me reverend. Someone actually took offense to people, and they couldn't bring themselves to call me James. They said, no, 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 I can't just call you James. I, I call you reverend, I'll call you pastor. I'm like, no, just call me James. But they felt like, you know, and I'm like, look, trust me, everybody here calls me James. No one ain't called me anything but James, at least to my face. I mean, they may say things behind my back, but at least to my face, that's what they tell me. Psalm 23, let's get into the Bible. Psalm 23, the Lord, Yahweh, Adonai, Jehovah, is my shepherd. I shall not be in one. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, 
And I will dwell in the house of the Lord Yahweh Adonai Jehovah forever. The Lord is my shepherd, Jehovah Roi. The Lord is my shepherd. You know, here David starts off by saying, identifying with the Lord as his shepherd. Now, I, I thought this was interesting because David is a shepherd by trade. David totally understood what it means to shepherd a flock, to protect a flock. Shepherds loved their sheep as a parent loves their children. They were the sheep with their children. And they fought to protect their children from wild animals. And when their sheep needed to go somewhere to pasture, to rest, the shepherd's job was to lead them. To David, God was his shepherd. God was his shepherd. This is how he viewed God. And I love it because David is saying that God is the one who provides loving care for his life. He goes on in verse 2 and he says, The Lord is my provider, Jehovah Jireh. This is the name given to the Lord by Abraham on the mountain just after the Lord had stopped him from sacrificing his one and only son, Isaac, and provided a lamb for the, for the sacrifice. In Genesis 22, verse 14, it says, So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Isn't this true about the Lord? That he will see our needs and provide whatever it is that we need. Sometimes, just like in Abraham's case, we're just about to make a decision. We're just about to follow through. And God intercedes and gives us exactly what we need at just the right time. You know, God does this pretty often in the scriptures. God comes through at the right time. So what does that say about how we should see God? We need to be patient. We need to be patient and wait on the Lord to provide. You know, we, it gives us more reason to, uh, to, to patiently wait for the Lord to provide for our needs because just at the right time, when we're just about to give up, God comes through. And David, he says that the Lord will provide. The Lord is my shepherd. Next we look at the Lord who prepares my bed. The Lord who prepares my bed. You know, one aspect of a shepherd is to provide a safe place. Got to do this little clicker thing here. Yeah. Oh, oh. All right, there we go. Lord have mercy. One of the sheep's, uh, shepherd's ask, um, responsibilities is to provide a safe place to rest. For his sheep. And I don't know about you, but every now and again, you just need a break, right? You need a, you need a break. You need to, and I'm not talking about escaping your, 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 your discipleship life. I'm not talking about escaping the church. Although some of us will feel like we need that sometimes. There's nothing wrong with getting away, but make sure you come back. You see, the shepherd takes 
his sheep, and they can go long, they can travel long distances. And you know, discipleship, the Christian life is like a marathon. Sometimes you're, you're running, and you're running, and you're running, and you're, 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 you're just going about this life, and you need a break sometimes. Sometimes you need to rest. So why God gave his people in the Old Testament the Sabbath. He told them, on this day, you guys are to do nothing. In the New Testament, Jesus talks about an eternal Sabbath, a day where we'll talking about you behind your back. That's not going to ride in heaven. When we get to heaven, there's going to be a place of rest. And that's who the shepherd, that's who God is. Ezekiel 34, 15 says, I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down. Now God wants us to be at a place of rest, a place where we're not anxious about anything. And you know what? Before we get to heaven, God provides that for us even now. Paul tells us in Philippians 4, don't be anxious about anything. But through prayer and thanksgiving, present your request to God. So God is preparing us for that rest by meeting our needs even now. He promises to give us a rest from our troubles. That's something to look forward to. I don't know about you. When we plan vacation, I'm... counting down, I'm counting down the days, right? We need to count down the days and say, God, when are you coming? I'm ready. I'm ready right now. I know some of us are like, oh, oh, James, I'm not ready yet. I still got some things I need to work through. I'm ready right now. And here's the thing, if you're saved in Christ Jesus, you're ready right now. You may be dealing with some sin that's hanging over your head. Get over Repent, move on. If Jesus comes today, he wants to make sure that everyone is ready. Because he's been preparing his place of rest for us for a very long time. The Lord who gently leads. The Lord who gently leads. You know, sometimes... The people who are over us, who have authority over us, aren't always gentle. Sometimes those who are in positions of influence in our lives aren't always gentle. They may be leading you, but it's not beside quiet waters. Some of us may even dare to say turbulent waters. Stormy seas. But one thing you can rest assured is that that's not who Jehovah Nahal is. He's the Lord who gently leads us. When Jesus comes up against a storm, they get quiet. Storms don't exist around Jesus. He quiets every storm, emotional storms. Mental storms, spiritual storms, relational storms.
God can quiet any storm in your life. But we've got to let him lead us there. See, that's, that's the key word right there. He leads me. But as you know, some sheep wander off and don't always follow the shepherd where he's going. We have to allow the Lord to lead us to quiet waters. Yeah, I love this passage here. And, hey, I'm going to let you guys advance the slide for me because I don't know what's going on. Advance the slide to uh, Isaiah 40. Go back. There we go. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arm and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. The Lord will gently lead those who are weak and unable to fend for themselves. When the waves of discouragement, disappointment, and defeat come crashing down on us, the Lord is right there to pick us up, carry us close to his heart, and lead us to still waters to be refreshed. We, we need to imagine God doing that for us. Literally picking us up, carrying us close to his heart like a shepherd carries his sheep or like a father carries his child. You know, when our kids are crying, what do we do often? We want to pick them up, we carry them close to us, and we take them to a place where we can quiet them down. That's what God does for us. God picks us up. He doesn't just sit there and let us cry and tell you, man up. with God. 
Early I mentioned his situation with Bathsheba. David committed adultery. He lied. He committed murder. He had a bad week, to say the least. There was something missing in David. There was something broken in David. And David recalls the Lord restoring his soul. And I'm not just talking about coming back to church. I'm not just talking about picking up your Bible study again. We're not just talking about singing this time. We're talking about God fixing something that's broken in your life. Only you know what that is. Some of us have been burned years ago and have never been fixed. Some of us are still dealing with the things in our past that's keeping us from embracing the future that God has planned for us. The Lord needs to restore your soul. Some of us have lost our joy along the way. You used to be the loudest singer, even though you couldn't carry a note. You were the loudest singer. Now you're barely clapping. You used to come in, bro. What do we need to do? How can I serve? Now you're like, we need some helpers, and you're the first one out the door. I put in my time. Let some of these younger guys do it. Sometimes we can lose things along the way. You know, I think what's amazing about that word, when you combine perfection with oneness, with unity, you get what Jesus prayed for in John 17. The next slide. John 17. Jesus prayed this for his disciples. He said, I and them and you and me. May they be brought to complete unity. Complete oneness. Shalom. May they be brought to complete oneness. God, Jesus wanted God to restore. He wanted God to complete in his disciples what was missing. And that was God himself. And for some of us, we need to be complete. We need God to restore what's been missing in us. Whether it's the joy of your salvation, whether it's the belief and conviction that you can do anything because you have a God who can do the impossible. Whether it's overcoming fear, whether it's believing that God can help you be pure, whatever it is, we need to have God restore that to be brought back to complete unity in our lives. Amen? Next slide, please. Bless you. Bless your life. Jehovah, Jehovah, Sikkenu, the Lord, my righteousness, the Lord, my righteousness. This portrays the Lord as the means of our righteousness. The Lord is right. The Lord is correct. Jesus is the right way. Do we need to say any more about this? Jesus himself says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other God that comes after me. That's a very bold statement for someone to make. I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. No one else can make that claim. No one else can make that claim, but Jesus did. That's a very bold statement. You know, the Lord will show us the right way to go. If you're, if you're 
not sure of whether or not this lifestyle is for you, I'm here to tell you, yes, it is. Your brother just came up here, shared his life. He was in a situation and needed God to get out. The only way he was able to get out is because he chose the correct way. He chose the way of righteousness, so the Lord of righteousness kept him on the right path. And we need that in our lives. We need God to show us the right way to go. You know, I tell you, today in our climate, it's very hard to determine which is the right way to go. Everyone's saying this way, this way, do this, do this, this is right, that's right. And we can get so confused and, and, and we can get overwhelmed and, and that breeds fear. And we're like, oh my God, what is that going to mean? And Calm down. Fix your eyes on Jesus. And stay the course. He's the same 2,000 years ago. He's the same today. You can never go wrong following Jesus. You will always be misled. Following trends. Following the times. Following the society. Following the horde. Following the masses. Just because everybody's doing it doesn't mean that it's right. Just because everyone is saying that it's the good thing or it's, this is how you should think now doesn't mean that you should start thinking that way. I'm old school and I love it. I'm going to be old school till the day I die. But guess what? Those who accuse me of being old school, one day you're going to be old school. There's some things that we had back in the days that were great. understand what you're writing off. Make sure you understand what you're swapping. Because if it's not going to bring you closer to Jesus, then you need to rethink what's being taught to you. Just because it's being taught in your school doesn't mean that it's right. Just because your employer insists that this is how you should think and carry does not mean that it's always right. Now look, we got to submit to the authorities. But never compromise your conviction when it comes to God. Even if it means you need to change your career. Because at the end of the day, God always comes through. We can't forget persecution comes with this lifestyle. if you never experienced persecution for your faith, there could be a possibility no one knows that you have that faith. 
When Christians stand up for what's right, people take notice. And not everybody's going to like it. But the Lord is our righteousness. Jeremiah 25, verse 6, 23, verse 6, it says, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up to David a righteous branch. A king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called, the Lord, our righteousness. You know, when you follow Jesus and his way, the world is different for the better. Everybody feels love. True Christianity does not involve self-righteousness. It doesn't mean that you go around telling people that you're, you're better than they are, showing all that you're better than they are, or because they're different than you, or because their lifestyle doesn't agree with yours, that you're, you're better than them. No, that's not the way Jesus lived. Jesus lived his life in such a way that people thought, man, I at our back. David went up to Goliath and he said, who in the world are you? That's, that's my translation, James' translation. Look at the next scripture. David said to the 
a giant with a rock. A rock! But it was God who brought that victory. I think God looked at David's faith and his courage and said, where did he come from? I mean, they had a whole army. Saul should have been the one doing what they, that should have been Saul. But here's this little shepherd boy bringing his brother's lunch. And he hears this guy. He's been shouting this for like 30 days. And he's like, no, 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 no. You're not, you're not going to talk about my God like that. And he went up there and he laid him out. And then, then cut off his head. dragged it through the camp, put it in his tent, and went back to shepherding his sheep. That's how David rolled. That's how he got down. Average, little, before king. He was not even a king. You expect that from king. This was an average guy. Some of us think that, well, if I was a preacher, or if I was in the full-time ministry, or if I was a leader, or if I had training, or if I had all this, knock it off. Next slide, please. 
Even though I walk through the valley of temptation, even though I walk through the valley of fear, even though I walk through the valley of persecution, even though I walk through the valley of disappointment, even though I walk through the valley of cynicism, I will not fear. Because of who my God is. David walked through these dark valleys alongside Jehovah Sabaoth, and he came out with no fear of evil. What valleys are you in right now? Are you walking through them alone? Or are you walking through them with the Lord's army? Next slide. For you are with me, Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is there. The Lord is there, ever-present, emphasizes the presence of Jehovah in the midst of his people. Ezekiel 48, verse 35, the name of the city from that time on will be the Lord is there. This is what we need to have said about Harlem. When people ask about the Harlem church, they say, you know what? I don't know anything else, but I know that the Lord is there. That's what we want said about our church. Because we walk with God. Because we glorify God. Because we love God. Because we're motivated by God. Because we do what we do because of God. So when people talk about our church, the Lord is there. The Lord is there. Sometimes when we're in the midst of our trials, we can often lose sight of God. And we got to remember that God's presence is ever with us. He is ever present. Next slide. Your rod and staff, they comfort me, Jehovah Elohim. God is the judge. God is the creator. God is all in all. Jehovah Elohim shows that the Lord Yahweh is God. Elohim, he has the power and authority to rule, to judge. The rod represents punishment, and the staff represents power and authority to rule. That is who God is. God is the ruler. God is the God. He's the Lord. who we worship. The might and power of God comforts us when we face our enemies. Next slide. Thou before, prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The Lord is our refuge. You know, my quiet time this morning, I just went through a bunch of scriptures. Most of them in the Psalms about the Lord being our refuge. You know, when you want to escape don't run away from God, run to God. That's what David did. David didn't run away from God, he ran to God. Because the Lord, Jehovah, Nisi, is my banner. He is my refuge. We run to God. God is our refuge. God is our, he is our stronghold. Exodus 17, verse 15, Moses built an altar and called it the Lord, my banner. In Malachi, the Lord says that the banner is a sign of distinction between those who worship and serve God and those who do not. In Malachi 3, verse 18, and you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. Sometimes you can't tell, right? The challenge for us is once we identify those who do not serve God, Loving them anyway. Punishment, that's God's job. That's not our job. God is 
the one who condemns. Our judgment comes when we have to decide, is this person living a righteous life or not? It will be very clear. You don't have to ask questions, and I think sometimes to meet our own needs, we will overlook things that God would not. That is not making the Lord your banner. The Lord said that there is a clear distinction between those who worship me and those who do not. You know, I wish I could say that everyone who said Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord. But Jesus himself said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? Clear distinction. You may be fooling us, but you're not fooling Jesus. It's better to let us deal with sin in each other's lives now than to stand before the Lord of God, the Lord God in heaven, and have him say, away from me, evildoer, I never knew you. I was never your banner. You chose other retreats. You chose to meet your needs in other ways. Instead of running to me, you ran to alcohol. Instead of running to me, you ran to sex. Instead of running to me, you ran to cigarettes. Instead of running to me, you ran to drugs. Instead of running to me, you ran to yourself. The Lord is our banner. Next passage, you anoint my head with oil, the Lord who sanctifies. You know, Lord, our God, he cleans us up. Let's just say this, the Lord cleans our act up. It's just hard sometimes. You ever try overcoming a bad habit? Sometimes you just need the Lord to get in there and help you out, don't you? The God, he clears up our hearts. God clears up our minds. I mean, I used to think some crazy things before I was a Christian. And after that, I'm like, man, what, what was I thinking? I was so off. And, you know, the Lord sanctifies. Lord, he, he brings us back to a, a sense of, 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 of uh, understanding. He, he clears up all the garbage in our hearts and minds because he wants us to know him. And we can't know God if we got all this bad stuff in our hearts. If we got all these crazy thoughts in our, in our minds, we'll never get to know God the way he wants us to. Exodus 19 verse 5 says, Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession, although the whole earth is mine. And the next passage is, My cup overflows. My cup overflows. The Lord makes me prosper. Now, I really like this one. You know, doesn't it feel good to know that you're blessed? You know, there's this, 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 this movement now where people are attacking or really exposing people who, who come across as privileged. And some people are very mean about their attacks. Oh, this is privilege. That is privilege. Oh, this is a privileged person. And, and you know, the people who are supposed to be leading the way are some of the the ones that that's the worst attackers. But I would think it's. I think we would all agree that if you're an American, you're privileged. So who are we to judge anybody? You can go somewhere in another country. And all you have to say is, I'm American. And you get more privileges than the people who live there. 
You want to chop cheese, you can go to chop cheese. If you want fried chicken at 2 o'clock in the morning, you can go right on 135th Street. Get you. you like organic? You don't need no gluten? Go right over to Whole Foods, 125th, right at the church. Some of y'all going right now. I know, I know. Y'all going, in, y'all going there at the church. Some places don't have those options. Don't have those luxuries. They have to eat what they cultivate. They have to eat what they get. Some of our brothers and sisters in churches in Africa get one meal a day. One. Some of us are trying to cut back on meals. And then you get to choose whether you have meat or vegetables. Sometimes I, I scare myself because I'm like, Lord, I want to be with you so bad. I, I'm just like, you know, maybe what if I just let my hands off the wheel? I'm just kidding. 
But you know what that does? When you know that that's your end, when you know that that's what you have waiting for you, you don't fear death. You welcome death. But you don't welcome it in a, in, a, in a selfish way. You welcome death like, I'm not worried about dying. Because I know where I'm going to end up. Not everybody can say that. David could. David said, I will be with the Lord forever. All the days of my life. This is who the Lord was to David. Church, who is he to you? You need to go and write your own Psalm 23. And you may think, James, that's impossible. I don't think so. If you give yourself some time, you can write your own Psalm and fill in those blanks. Who is God to you? Who has he been to you? Who has he continued to be for you? Write it down. That's who he is. You don't speak Hebrew, neither do I. You don't need to give him a Hebrew title. Or give him your title. But I'll tell you this, one of my favorites, and we'll close out with this, is Abba Father. In Romans 8, verse 15, for you did not receive the spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Abba Father, Daddy. That, that, that right there, that, that says it all for me. I get to call the creator of the universe daddy. He's my dad. He's my father. And we need to walk with our heads held high because we know who our father is. So when we come together to worship, I hope and pray that you remember who God is, who you worship. When you leave here today, remember who you walk with, who God is to you. He's your provider. He's your protector. He is your father. He is your banner. He's your daddy. And to God be the glory.